You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight, we talk about Wes Anderson's best film, The Grand Budapest Hotel. You no trouble. Me, Fifth Element. Supreme being. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Welcome to the podcast. We're your host. I'm editor Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, cinematographer Jared Callen. How you doing, Brian? I am. I'm swell. I'm swell. Feeling a little quirky. Oh, yeah. You're looking a little quirky. You're kind of very centered in your frame. That's right. Everything's symmetrical. <laughs> yeah. Symmetry is important. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, we're also having with us here director of photography Mike Riggs. Oh, there's a lot of squares here, huh? Mm. Yep. Okay. Squares within squares. Shapes within shapes. <laughs> we also have with us costume designer Kristen Jones. Hello, hello. Hey, hey. Loving the pastels, Kristen. Loving the pastels. <laughs> Here we are talking the 2014 Wes Anderson, uh, what would you say, best, best Wes Anderson film? The best Wes Anderson film ever. <laughs> the Grand Budapest Hotel, which I guess is kind of true if you look at the box office. This is mm-hmm. the highest grossing Wes Anderson film by a mm. fucking huge margin. Most highest of the- grossing doesn't equal best, though. Well, I, you know, well, I think this the, is to the audience dollars. I also think this is the one with the most Oscar noms, if that, if that also helps. It doesn't. Well, we all know <laughs> the Academy is rigged. This is a tough crowd. I don't know, uh, <laughs> I don't know how else to that- convince you guys. <laughs> No, I, I'm I'm with you. I I said earlier today that this is I think this is peak, Wes Anderson. It's it's certainly my f- my favorite. Like um, Moonrise Kingdom is really close to this, but I think this is his best film. But, but this then is I was remi- best Anderson. Yeah, I was also then reminded that um, <laughs> the Life Aquatic is peak Anderson, and I was like, that's probably true, and I can't refute that. But I've only seen it once, and it was like you know 15 years ago, so I I, uh, I need to rewatch that one and the um, Darjeeling Limited. It's a close oh. number two. Those are terrible. No, no, I don't like those. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about yeah. Life Aquatic as a close number two to this. Yeah, okay. What? For real? No, yeah. that's a terrible movie. I feel like this is not Peaky Anderson. I feel like this is when he sort of devolves into a parody of himself. I think there are moments mm. that are absolutely wonderful, and I generally enjoy this movie, but I feel like this is when he starts to get a little 
what too high on his own supply is that what we say i don't a, know a like little tarantino if you will like really too much see i i, I understand <laughs> that but but to me this is the one that that coalesces all of the anderson energy into into ways that all actually feel like they serve the story like it, this never feels like a gimmick to me when mm. so much of his other stuff feels like he's he's just trying to do the stylistic thing as for the sake of doing it. This feels like it actually lends itself for for the everything being symmetrical because it's like the dude telling the story. So this is kind of how he's picturing it to all the the quirky like he only pans when he's in the center of a room and sometimes they'll dolly back so they can get in the center and you'll see the character stop randomly like you're like, why are you? Stopping right there, and then they cut to the close-up and do the pan. So it, I don't know. All the things feel like they they coalesce in this movie better than anything else that he's done. I agree with you. I think technically it's correct, but I think watching it, it feels very off and it feels a bit cold, and that is why I don't think that he is what? at his best here. How, what feels cold about this? I was about to say, yeah. Do you think that's the the delivery or just the kind of um, sterilness, ambivalence? Of it? Yeah, maybe. It's. It seems to me that there's sort of a disconnect, and in the sense of this, what he's doing with the styling of the camera and with all the symmetry and everything, versus his general style. I, I think the the acting is wonderful. I think the story is great. I think, like I said, there's so much about this movie, and I do actually really enjoy it. But for me, it's like he was trying so hard to make it look exactly the way he wanted to that he left mm. out some of the humanity when he was filming it it makes it, it does make up for it because there's so much of it in other places because he mm. is still a great director uh, but i don't think it works human visual like feeling level yeah i get that i think you could probably accuse that uh, accuse all of his films of that you know like they are i don't know you become detached because it's so like animated and it's Perfect symmetry. Well, you you can't say it's style over substance because there's a lot going on. Yeah, it's um, not really style over substance. It's that like fucking the New Yorker kind of humor, right? Put in with the characters that are also like they fit in the New Yorker, you know. But they're not. They're it's like a little pretentious. Yeah, well, like all the characters are like usually people that like they come from nothing, you know. Like you think of like a. Like like uh, fucking Max Fisher and uh, yeah. yeah right and fucking Rushmore like it, they come from yeah. nothing but then they have these high society posts and their problems are I don't want to say trivial but hard to relate to mm. you know what I mean it's just it's always it's always comes from such uh, aristocratic money <laughs> that it 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 is it, it it is kind of hard to relate to like for for like a normal person. You know what I mean? I mean? But that's this whole movie, like the aristocratic thing. So you're saying this movie is not relatable in, in well, any sense? Well, I mean, that's kind of like all his stuff, right? Like, I mean, the Royal Tenenbaums, right? A bunch of mm-hmm. a bunch of family members that all succeed. They they come from money, you know. They're in the mm-hmm. downtown uh, New York apartments, right? Uh, you got the Life Aquatic with the Jacques Cousteau fucking oceanographer, Steve Zissou. <laughs> you know, they, they all kind of have that air about him. I mean, Darjeeling Limited's like a bunch of fucking rich boys taking a fucking train trip, you know? So you're saying you're saying that as a whole, Wes Anderson's films are not relatable to a normal person. I think Brian's just saying fuck rich people. <laughs> well, sure, but also. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess fuck, yeah, fuck rich people. That's what I'm saying. There you go. <laughs> well, I think we can all relate with that. It does make them hard to, you know, uh, it, it makes it hard to relate to them. Well, the trick is to be a lobby boy and then have the dude just die. Yeah, I, I guess that's another thing too. Like the way, like I don't know, the co- the the emotional moments are skipped through mm. for the joke. 
Like when you get like uh, the lobby boy's wife dying. That's just like, oh, yeah, she died of some sickness like fucking two years after this. Moving on. That's the way most death happens in this. It's just kind of like it's a side note. Oh, this yeah, this thing happened. Unless it's the cat being tossed out the window. That was hardcore. <laughs> Did he just throw my cat out the window? I love I love how the uh, the cat's like arms and legs are out, splayed out, and then they do a match cut of uh, the guys um, digging out of the gel cell, but the light between their heads is in the same shape of the cat sprawled out. <laughs> Perfect little tiny match cut, and I was like. Wow. <laughs> That's some work right there. There are so many little details like that in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Bonkers. Yeah. Poor kitty. <laughs> I do love how Willem, Willem Dafoe spends the entire movie with fucking brass knuckles on. Was it brass knuckles? I thought it was like individual little skull rings that all look the Maybe same. Maybe it was, but they, they operate like brass knuckles and he uses them like yeah. brass knuckles. And he's got his like little, these like little fangs. You know, <laughs> has a little bit of an underbite. Rarely ever talks. Looks amazing in every frame. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah, especially that fucking jacket that he rips open to put his little flask back in it. Oh, dude, <laughs> fucking sexy ass jacket. I love, I love his, it so much. <laughs> I, I love those like process motor motorcycle shots. Oh, they're so cool. Yeah, feels good. There's a lot of kitschy camera things in this that that are they feel more than just forgivable. They feel like the style that that is lending itself to how this is kind of an animated movie with real people, but still yeah. has a sense of heart and and warmth to it. It feels simple, but it's very highly executed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it feel simple with all the, all the symmetry and all the, the all the shots? I think I think people, if you're not really looking at it like that, uh, it might wash over you, and it just feels, you know, we're in this little box, and it's just, you know, simply the camera's centered up, you know. Yeah, it it feels simple in the sense that anybody recognizes, oh, that's a Wes Anderson Wes Anderson shot, or like, look how you're just trying to be Wes Anderson. You've got the frame all symmetrical, and things are in the center. It's definitely not easy. Simple is not easy in this movie. I wonder if he was going for that in his career. He's like, you know what? I want to be the guy that's known for putting things dead in center. Symmetry. It's well, beautiful. He does do that, but he doesn't do it. Uh, he, he does it a he lot. He does it a lot. Yeah, he does well, it a lot. Um, do you think that the uh, the zooms in this are zooms? Or are they digitally enhanced? I think some of them are, and some of them are. Some, some of the zooms you can see, like the match cut, where it. It it's goes two from different like the, shots. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking it, of the one where they're on the uh, at the observatory, right before they go up to the church, and there's that super wide shot of like the observatory with the long thing yeah. where they eventually get married later, and they crash zoom into it, and there's a little tiny quick cut there where it goes from just silhouettes to them actually probably standing there. Yeah, so that stuff really plays. And, and there's these perfect little like tilts where they tilt down and land in things. Or, or they, they like, you know, we go, they go up to like the, the, there's like a giant door mm-hmm. and then they quickly pan over and boom, it just reveals another little door. Like these, these beautiful little camera blocking things that feel so simple, but they're very highly executed. Very yeah. Well they, they don't ever pan the camera unless they're, there's something in the center of whatever the else, whatever the thing they're panning to. Like if they're in front of a door and they're going to pan left and see the street, like they're in the center of the street compared to the door. That's where some of this stuff starts to feel like complicated and more difficult to execute on on rewatches take 57 <laughs> um, I, I, I did notice that on this recent watch through that the punch-ins of anytime you see somebody hand somebody a piece of paper the piece of paper that we punch into is completely different than the one that they're handed hmm. the, the graphics don't match like, like the production graphics don't match the what they shot later oh yeah they feel like inserts that are just like here you go mm-hmm. it's completely different yeah. does that bother you 
It does because like the, they're handed things, they got logos on them and stuff like that. Uh, it looks completely different. There's a time where somebody's doing a list or something like that, and they cut in on it. Uh, it's completely different. Like none, none of the mm. the props match. It just feels like they were they were designed later and reshot. Maybe they were. Maybe because it's easier to read. Yeah, I, I don't know. I always get obsessed with like actually reading the articles or. I only noticed it because I paused it. Yeah. You know, to actually read all the shit, and then I yeah. was like, "Oh, that's that's completely different than what he was handed." Yeah, I don't even think I noticed that. There is a big cast here. There's a big cast. He he always has the same group of people though. It is kind of fun to. It's it's almost more like a when is that person going to show up, in in most of his movies, and this one is no exception. But it's a great cast. I always I always love when. Someone pops up that I wasn't expecting. Who was your favorite cameo in this? Uh, I'm gonna say a shirtless Harvey Keitel with uh, <laughs> oh, <that's> obvious <laughs> pin, pin drawn tattoos. <laughs> obvious pin. Drawn. Yeah, I was like, these supposed to be okay. It just looks like a pin. It's his ink, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. It's inked on. It's so weird seeing him as an old man bald like that. Like I didn't get my first. <laughs> go through i didn't catch that that was him uh and and my second watch i was like holy shit that's harvey keitel (laughs) uh the the bald cap line bothers the fuck out of me what's the bald cap line you can see the line where his bald cap oh i thought you meant that i mean i thought you meant there's a piece of dialogue that was like you know we're wearing a bald cap oh no (laughs) (laughs) they should have added it in there (laughs) (laughs) did you guys catch tilda swinton she's fucking fantastic man that's insane right no her makeup is great that's some great, great makeup. If they can do that for this, why didn't they do that for the fucking um, three and a half hour long epic that Scorsese did? Like, why use all the digital things? I'm just kidding. That's the opposite direction. <laughs> just go like behind <laughs> Al Pacino and take a clothespin yeah. and hang back his skin behind his face. Oh, man. That's well, rough. because this doesn't look like her at all. This looks like a completely different character. You know, you, you, you yeah. can do heavy makeup if you're not trying to make somebody look like themselves. This is true. This is true. And she looks she, scary. She does have a, a fun <laughs> little, like, uh, I don't feel good about traveling. Wow. Shut up. <laughs> He's so rude to her, man. Like, uh, <laughs> it's not that I don't like them. It's that I'm physically repulsed by them. <laughs> yeah, man. He's such a dick to her. What? No, that was the only dick thing he really did. No, bullshit. Like, so, like they're, they're, they're sitting in the elevator, and then she starts talking. He goes, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because he wants to continue his uh, poem. I'm talking. <laughs> She's interrupting the art, bro. <laughs> no, like, she, she needs that from him. Like, nobody else treats her in as, like, an authentic person. Everybody else probably, you know, tiptoes around her. And so maybe that's why she likes him. And then wants to give everything to him. I just think he's playing that game on all the old women. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. like, you know, yeah. he may actually have some feelings for her, maybe. But, yeah, he's just he's just throwing his, you know, rod out there trying to get as many. Well, he sleeps with all his friends. <laughs> and hopefully they leave me shit in their will. <laughs> she was dynamite in the sack. She was 80 years old. <laughs> 84. <He's> older. <laughs> <laughs> I like the prime cuts of meat. <laughs> Oh, uh, when you get older, you don't have the options. They have more flavor, you see. Mm. <laughs> oh, I, okay. So I guess we, we are doing flashback month here. This was this is the only movie I think we've done with that starts with a flashback and then another flashback within that flashback. Lots of this flashbacks. This is like some Inception but, but no, levels no, no. of flashbacks. It doesn't start. It starts with with a girl 
going up to a statue and she of reads. The author. She reads a book. Yeah, and, and and she's reading his, the book. And so we're. It's is that considered a flashback if if it the narrator? Yes, is, this entire movie well, is, is bookended with a flashback of her reading. <laughs> yeah, but and, well, and Tom Wilkerson it, he starts narrating yeah. and then we flash back to his younger self yeah right so then that that's our first flashback and then he meets f murray abraham and then we go back to f murray abraham's Again, younger self we, we have another inception yeah yeah exactly but no i wasn't referring to the ch- child reading the book which i'm not 100 percent sure why that was in there i guess other than to play homage to the author that inspired the movie. I thought they were trying to make a like a, a thing on you know y- y- you can go through all this stuff in your life and and only be remembered in the writings of a book that's lost you know in time or whatever mm. some kind of weird metaphor like that. It's depressing. <laughs> I, don't think <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's what the goal <laughs> Just some random some some random kid you know no one else knows just some random kid reading some random book on a park bench one day well no she goes up to that statue of the author right and it's got all those pins on it it's it's yeah. it's room keys yeah oh, that's different what it hotels. is yeah yeah, yeah. Mm, that's cool but the statue is it's supposed to be of the the author that of wrote the, the book right the author of the book yeah yeah jude law's character yeah i do i like the way he narrates his whole section like it's 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 pretty great but jude law yeah mostly it's the writing but just his his line delivery when he's you know talking about like Monsieur Jean and his attention was suddenly grabbed, but it failed to contain his attention or whatever. And he goes up in the elevator. Like there's just some some really good like story beats that that he just delivers the lines perfectly for, and it's just it's just really fun. What do you guys think, Wes Anderson? Uh, speaking of Jude Law here, why do you think Wes Anderson's obsessed with mustaches in this movie? <laughs> Every Ooh. dude has a mustache in this movie. It feels that way, yeah. Even the kid who can't grow one, he has to yeah, draw one draw on. It on every morning. <laughs> when he can't grow it, it's it like me. so. It's still it's pencil so thin. Because <laughs> it's all supposed to represent um, Europe before the before mm-hmm. the wars. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it has something to do with old Europe and facial hair. I don't know. Bill Murray's got the. I think he may have the best mustache. Oh, it goes all the way out. Like you know, yeah, yeah, man, it's fucking epic. Such a random small cameo. Yeah, it, I, I was. It was nice seeing him pop up again, though. I thought we were just gonna see him at the uh, hotel lobby answering the phone. Yeah, and that was just gonna be so, it. Having him be the one in the car. Yeah, that was nice. It's a nice. It's a nice touch. Yeah, and then sh- showing the what was the society called? Uh, cross keys. Is that the what cross it was? Cross keys society. Yeah. Yeah, having them all there at the uh, the marriage for the, for the that lolly was, boy. Yeah, was good, that too. was sweet. Yeah, I don't think I recognized all of them the first couple of times I saw it, but watching it again today, I was like, oh yeah, that is all. Oh, <laughs> fucking Fisher <laughs> Stevens, just like yeah. I was about to say, I was about to say, I actually saw Fisher Stevens. I was like, I'm, I'm standing beside myself. You know, like. <laughs> he didn't play the Indian when <laughs> for one. once. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Johnny Five is alive. Johnny's in the tunnel with Oscar. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's the second one. <laughs> oh, Jerry. <laughs> we know. Us locals kick your ass. Us <laughs> locals kick your face. Your face. Us locals kick your balls into <laughs> outer space. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> Love Short Circuit. Oh, movies that could only be made in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> or will at least be successful in the 80s I don't, yeah I don't. I don't know Wally did pretty well bro yeah. 
Yeah, but like nobody's like beating down anyone's door to make sh- short circuit the remake. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, we could do short circuit three where Johnny Five comes back and he gets reprogrammed and he goes and fights the fucking like the Taliban and ISIS and shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> Johnny Johnny Five is gonna take down terrorism with love. <laughs> oh my god. Well, he, he did have a laser on his back, you know. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, wait. It was like a MacGyver uh, box. <laughs> the second one wasn't. Bad humans. Oh, my God. Oh. Thank you, Wes Anderson, for, for casting Fisher Stevens. Fisher Stevens, yeah. <laughs> Give that man some work. For real. <laughs> I know we talked about Jeff Goldblum earlier, but I I will say, uh, th- man, th- th- that was the best performance I've seen from him in a fucking hot minute. It's so subdued, Dude, right? Mostly, you know, it's not like he's trying to be over the top and uh, 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 doing his thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he just has fucking like paragraphs of dialogue to deliver, and the guy just just makes a fucking meal out of it. He sculpts all those words, but he's, st- like, he's still he's, doing his hand stuff. He's still yeah. like you know cleverly placing, cleverly placing his hands and picking up things, and you know. Yeah, I noticed that when he was reading the will. <laughs> he's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wes was like, bro, just read, just do the dialogue just, like I just, say, <laughs> but you can do whatever you want with your body. <laughs> <laughs> but who else would you want to listen to? Like, read a fucking legalese will of like a stack of fucking papers besides him? Like he's. Yeah, and uh, what it's one of the first times we get really nice violence in in the movie, and uh, all the violence in this oh, film the, is, is the punches. Is, is, no, I'm talking about when he gets his fingers chopped off. Oh, that's oh like, uh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. All the crazy, like over the top violence stuff is uh, is always so shocking and out of nowhere, and I I love it every single time. Like the cat when when they when they when they push the guy off the cliff, so fucking amazing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that fucking Wilhelm scream kills me, dude. Oh fuck, uh, you got him! <laughs> when, when they're inside the hotel and they start just shooting, and then we're like below them and we tilt up and it's just like, what the fuck? Like, Everybody's <laughs> shooting at their own people. It's amazing. It's all so shocking and, and it just feels like the the movie's so like paced and and felt so planned out that when things like that happen, it's like oh fuck, you know, it, it's it's a little jarring and it, and it's actually it's it's amusing. It makes you giggle. <laughs> The fucking convict that when they're doing the prison escape that jumps down and kills all the soldiers. Oh, and then he gets fucking stabbed. Yeah, they he's stab like, each yeah. other to death. I guess that's considered a draw. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, dude. He died in the catacombs. <laughs> he didn't make it. Yeah, no, that that stuff is pretty good. I like yeah. it. I like it when they get out and, and Harvey Keitel and the guys go, go go hijack that bus and then they you, you start seeing fucking murdering in the background. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're having this lovely conversation. There they are, just <laughs> killing the bus driver, <laughs> dragging him to the back of the bus so you don't see what happens to him. The, the, the violent stuff is good. It is really good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's done really, really well. What did you guys think of the uh, the colors in the hotel? The pinks and reds? Yeah. <laughs> you, you sound like you didn't like them, Brian. Oh, Yellows. I don't know. Was it intentionally supposed to be like a little gaudy? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, absolutely. yeah. 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 It's the this grand. Was, it's, it's, it's opulence at, at the highest scale. Like bef- before, well, after the opulence went out, this kind of still maintained it for a while. I'm not crazy about the, the pink and the peach and the red in the halls. I don't know. 
Yeah, the pink in the uh, made me feel like that there was like you know some magenta in the overhead lighting a little bit. Um, I mean, there's also a lot of work in the color grade to to push things in those directions too. Oh yeah, totally. I really liked it. I think it represented a lot of the opulence that was lost that we have currently mm. lost, especially as we you know, move towards function and practicality. Uh, This is a world where you want to feel comfortable. You want to enjoy things. And I also really appreciate a lot of the color scheme in this, Um, especially Tilda Swinton. Swinton's character, you know, starts off in, yeah, she's not, but she's like, she represents old Europe and there's a lot of the really bright colors. And as the sun starts to set, that's when everything starts turning to more reds and more um, sunsetty colors. And you can even see it with the uniforms. Um, they go from gray to just being completely black. I mean, there's a lot of mm. color changes here as we move throughout the film and as it gets darker and darker. And so actually what they did, I think, is really interesting. And you can even see with the Grand Budapest Hotel how it goes from like this nice pink to <laughs> like this drab brown color by the end, which I guess is actually at the beginning. But Yeah. You know what was bothering me? I don't think it was just so much like the walls of the hotel. It was the walls of the hotel with all that. Fu- it's the purple fucking uniforms, <laughs> right? Against, against that wallpaper. Color contrast. Yeah, what, it just like... all looks the same, right? It just all kind of blends together yeah. into this like pastelly fucking uh, Easter bunny mush. I don't know. Would you I like kinda, some mush? I kind of <laughs> like that in this one. <laughs> Their purple uniforms are not pastel at all. No, they don't blend together at all. Those are very contrasting colors. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just all seems purple, pink, red. I don't know. Yeah. That is correct. Those are the colors. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just too much. I don't know. It, and it's no, only I in the hotel. so well. I actually really liked it. It's it, I actually did not think it was like overly feminine at all. Um, I thought that it was really representative of this like sort of flair for life. Um, mm, and, yeah. you know, yeah. like, yes, it was flamboyant, but it's not like it was feminine you know because i i feel like especially now we're so used to seeing like pink and purple um what was the other color you were complaining about it doesn't matter red we were used to seeing them as like red red you know those they're just not that common and and yeah they're like very feminine and like here you can have an entire hotel that's in pink and all it says to me is like success and comfort and um Mm -hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I and, and opulence, and I enjoyed that a lot. The way they use the color, I enjoyed it a lot. Like, I don't, I don't mind, uh, you know, feminine colors and everything. Like, you know, I, I can sit down and watch Barbie. There's more color in Barbie because we have all these different colors. You know, we can have pink as everything. Was you know, we got splashes of color in here as well. This is like almost like I don't know when it, we cut away from the hotel. It's like your eyeballs are like screaming like oh yes i can breathe i can see other <laughs> colors outside of shades of fucking pink and purple and red i don't know i i don't know i, I guess it works but yeah it it, it was bothering me <laughs> i don't know i find it quite lovely this whole movie just as as a concept is just lovely well i like how he kind of uses the colors as a motif like because the um agatha's character working for the the pastry shop like those shots in the van where they're they're like in the front seat or they're in the back with all the fucking boxes and it's just everything just feels like soft and warm and Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, yes, uh, there were a fair amount of pastels, but it wasn't, I don't know, because normally I don't care for pastels, but I don't know. Somehow they made it work in this world. And I think they made it work because they incorporated everyone's, everyone has such a big character, like mm-hmm. like they're per- mm-hmm. a big personality. And so I think it made all of the pastels work. And instead of just being like, oh, pastels and flowers and, you know, whatever what like the way that i would traditionally think of it if you came to me and said pastels you know like they took it and made something different which i also really appreciated well i think the colors also communicate a lot with the characters as well like the fact that agatha is always surrounded by these warm pleasant comforting colors you know is indicative of the way that that he he thinks about her as he's telling the story even to the point that you know they have that whole like emotion moment where he's he's just weeping while he's talking about her every time she's on screen like the whole thing is just like it's like soft and a little glistening there's there's care taken for those shots to be like yeah this is how he thinks about his his beloved i agree i thought that was really nice it's slightly different but sort of the same i really appreciated how she made like the little pastel cookie treats to hide the weapons (laughs) those were so cool (laughs) there's that shot of her uh that's uh from um everything everywhere all at once did you guys notice that? Oh, yeah, her close-up. Her close-up, and then everything's spinning behind her head. Oh, yeah. Exactly yeah. the same thing. I was like, oh, weird. While they were on the uh, carousel? Yeah. This was also nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, Maybe we just need to have a close-up like that in your movie. Yeah, yeah, you need it. <laughs> That's the trick. Spinning lights. All right, so I guess on that, you know what? We're going to take a break. We're going to play the trailer for the Grand Budapest Hotel. We'll be back. Budapest. Why do you want to be a lobby boy? Who wouldn't? At the Grand Budapest, sir. And so my life began. Junior lobby boy in training under the strict command of Monsieur Gustav H. Many of the hotel's most valued and distinguished guests came for him. I love you. I love you. She was dynamite in the sack, by the way. She was 84. Mm, I've had older. This was also when I met Agatha. She's charming. She's so charming. Is he flirting with you? Yes. I approve of this union. I became his pupil, and he was to be my counselor and guardian. The police are here. Tell them I'll be right down. She's been murdered, and you think I did it. Hey! Stop! You're looking so well, darling. You really are. I don't know what sort of cream they've put on you down at the morgue, but I want some. This is Madame D's last will and testament. To Monsieur Gustave H, I bequeath a painting known as Boy with Apple. Wow. What? Who's Gustave H? I'm afraid that's me, darling. If I learn you ever once laid a finger on my mother's body, living or dead... I go to bed with all my friends. We need to make a plan for your survival. Hide this. It's in code and you might need a magnifying glass to read it, but it tells you exactly where and how to find Boy with Apple. I'm a baker. I'm not a fence. That's the term. I want roadblocks at every junction for 50 kilometers. I want rail blocks at every train station for 100 kilometers. Get in! I want 50 men and 10 bloodhounds ready in five minutes. can't arrest him simply because he's a bloody immigrant. Take your hands off my lobby boy! (laughs) 
Have you ever been questioned by the authorities? Yes, on one occasion. What, what, what? I was arrested and tortured by the rebel militia after the mm -hmm. desert uprising. Right. Well, you know the drill then. Zip it. Welcome back. That was the trailer for Wes Anderson's <gasps> The Grand Budapest Hotel. Budapest. Whatever. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> hey, don't, don't come at me like that, bro. Tomato, potato, tomato. <laughs> good trailer. Good trailer. Yeah. Made me laugh in the trailer, so. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And, and, and fun and vibes and tone. All right. Okay. This movie would not work without fucking Ray Fiennes. Uh, 100%. That's why this, this part was written for him. Correct. He is so fucking good. So good, man. Perfect deliveries. Perfect. Especially yeah. when he cusses. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's so it's so funny. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> there, there are elements in this world that are worth upholding for the society of... Ah, fuck it. <laughs> I like when he talks about getting into the fight inside jail. Can't be a candy ass. Can't be a candy ass. <laughs> he's like, he's We've got to show that. them from day one yeah. that you mean business. But actually, we're, we're, we're good friends now. He's, he's a lovely man. Oh, my God. That's perfect. That and the line later when he says something like, be straight with me. And he's like, well, I've never been accused of that, sir. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> like it's, he, he just throws it out so nonchalant and perfect. And then later when they're like calling him completely gay. And then he's like, well, you're bisexual. And he's like, can we change the subject? <laughs> Damn. And now that you've said that, I think Adrian Brody is the only one that doesn't really work in the movie. Wow! Really? really? He's supposed to be over the top and like like henchman. No, he's not the henchman. He's the big. <laughs> villain. I, I, I mean, yeah, henchman as the as the main antagonist. William Defoe's the henchman. Yeah, he is the henchman. Just and like I, I kind of I want him to be over the. Why top. doesn't he work? Uh, I don't know. He just too broad, too big. Yeah, too yelly. He's the only one that well, feels gotta... like he's acting. Everybody else mm. feels like they mm. they fit. Like even William Defoe with his like creepiness, you know. That's just <laughs> him, ridiculous. Bro. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Do you think? Okay, yeah. Do you think that's actually an Adrian Brody problem, or do you think that's that's a direction specifically given to him? Because we've seen him act his fucking ass off in other movies. Have we? Have we? Have we? I don't do know. You don't like the pianist? Is that what you're saying? Uh, that's what I'm hearing. Well, I do. I do think he should not have won the Oscar for that. Um, I mean, you know, whether or not he should have won doesn't mean that he shouldn't have been. I don't know if that was a like, great performance. Nominated. Yeah, it's just I don't know. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give him that he's animated in this movie. I usually find him kind of bland and boring. <laughs> he does. He he usually plays things like way more refrained and and contained. Yeah, yeah. This one, he's he's very outlandish. He finds his footing, and he does become a bit campy, which he should, as this is a Wes Anderson movie. But I think there are a couple of moments where he's just so serious, and yes, he is acting, and this is his character, and that that's what doesn't work. But I think he does eventually find the character. Do you think the moments when he's more grounded doesn't work? Yeah, like, like when he's stalking Agatha <laughs> at the end... Um, it's so ridiculous, and I think that works. It's a ridiculous movie. Um, but when he's upset, like at his mother's funeral, eh, I don't. That's, I don't care. Hmm. Like that's. <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> it's not that he's doing a bad job. It's just that that's not the movie that we're watching. You know, he d he missed that memo. Yeah, he does click when he notices like the the painting's gone. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he does that get works. better. That works. He does get better yes, at that moment. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I think, yeah, I think he plays it too serious. And that's why he doesn't work at the beginning. That's when he was channeling his predators. Uh, <laughs> so this is what I'm talking about. Like, do we like Adrian Brody? I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was pretty great in the village. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike's a spicy meatball. Look at that. He's great in village. Bad color. It's the Roger Deakins shot movie that he never talks about. Hmm. He shoot that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's why it looks good. But then later when he does his podcast and he's like, I've worked with some directors. I will not talk about who they are. And they're really different. <laughs> like Mr. Deacons. Uh, we have seen your filmography. We know who you're talking about. Oh, no, you don't want to watch it. It's just like a waste of like really fucking good actors. And then it's, Ron Howard's yeah. fucking kid is the only one that has anything to do in the movie. Yep. Hmm. Watch William Hurt and Sigourney Weaver say stupid lines like, we're going to speak about those that we shall not speak of. Well, then why the fuck are you talking about him? <laughs> he who must not be named. We got Voldemorts. <laughs> They're all running out in the woods. Yeah, man. Voldemort kicks ass in this movie, though. <laughs> does he kick ass? I don't know. I guess he does. Apparently, he got into a really good fucking like, fight in prison. And he then, did. you know, he and then he, he, he took up for fucking Zero in the train that first time. Well, the last time he gets himself killed doing it. So, you know, he's... Don't touch my lummy boy! <laughs> I do love those shots. The, the first time that they get accosted by the uh, military police and shove them against the, the sides of the wall. And they have those little, like, matching shots against the, the side of the car. That's, With their little busted great. noses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What would you guys think of the aspect ratio changes? Honestly, I kind of love them. And, and I wouldn't expect to normally. And I think even when the movie came out, I was a little bit like, well, that's cheesy, that's dumb, whatever. But, like, I don't know, I've seen this movie four or five times, and, and I I find it endearing, I find it lovely. Uh, I think they are they are used to their fullest extent for all the reasons in the time periods. Um, they feel earned, is, I think, the way I'm looking to describe it. What about the black and white, one black and white scene at the end mm. when it flips in? It's still It goes four by three, but it's black and white. I wonder what that's about. Is that just because we're now we're getting to death? Yeah, I think so. Like it's 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 both indicative of the war has finally happened, and now it's it's a little bit like when we think of the war and we think of of newsreels from the time. It's mm. it's that kind of a style, and so it's yeah. this is a little bit more like yeah, now the war happened and shit went crazy. I I, I love the four by three because it really does lend to the storybook feel. It feels like you're looking at a page, you know. It's just a a simple square. Yeah, there. it's like. He's always doing like an animated movie, and he just finally found a way to make the animated movie like kind of lend itself to the story in this one. Like Fantastic Mr. Fox is a great movie, but like it's so Wes Anderson-y that that it just feels like an animated movie. It doesn't feel like out of the ordinary because it's Wes Anderson, and the way he applies that style to like this movie, I think it works really well in feeling like an animation. Just there's you know. Actual normal live action humans in it. Gotta love Fantastic what you think about it. it is great. It's pretty fantastic. Am I the only one who liked the aspect ratios? No, I, th- I no, thought they worked no, well. That was great. Yeah, I agree with all of it. You know, it, it, it definitely it, it lends to the quirkiness of it. It feels great, and I don't often say that about things shot in four by three. <laughs> the lighthouse. This is not. 
No. Uh, the whale, this is not. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's fair. That's fair. Even though I, I agree with that one, too. So. I was going to say, I like both of those movies in their 4 by 3 aspect ratios. I thought they worked really well. <laughs> oh, you probably also liked that uh, Zack Snyder cut, yeah. too, huh? Fuck off, Brian. What? No. Come on. Superman in 4 by 3 bro, is what it really needs. Cause <laughs> you, you get more of the to, cape. You, to you really know, see the need, cape properly. You need the cape. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's too bad that, like, you know, the person wearing the cape also fucking flies in a horizontal <laughs> configuration. Mm, it'd be really nice for widescreen. Right. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm an asshole. Maybe Zach well, You Snyder. notice how with these framings, they're moving in and out of frames most a lot of times. I, I love that about this. We're not, we're not going left yeah. or right too much because if we are, the camera's dollying. But uh, most of the time, people are moving in. There's not a single time where they pan the camera that they're not centered into where they're going to pan the camera into. It's always a 90-degree turn every single time. I can show you a couple that aren't, but yeah. 90-degree turns? Mm -hmm. Some of them just kind of like open up a little bit, like just to reveal like something's... Like I said, that one at the door. Oh, okay. Well... It just leans over just a little bit. It doesn't go full. Does it pan or does it it dolly over? Because it's still completely symmetrical. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Every time they they rotate the camera. If it's a pan, it's a 90-degree turn. Hmm. Including when the car is driving up the mountain and then you see the headlights oh, and the point that. of view and the fucking yeah, headlights yeah. turn in a 90 degree turn like no car could ever possibly yeah, do. Yeah, I love I that, love you, that you, shot you just, so much. You just it's know so somebody's, <laughs> somebody's with a light going, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so ridiculous that. and I love it. Yeah. You think that those are uh, matte paintings that they're using to show? I think a lot of them are. Yeah. Or is it digital? You're talking about in the digital. drive. They're trying the to driving make it look shots? like matte paintings. Like matte painting, yeah. No, when they're showing like like uh, the mountain, you know, and you've got like the fucking oh uh, yeah, was that a horse statue or something at the top? And then I don't know. It's like these, these look like matte paintings, but I didn't know if they were doing them digitally or not. I think I'm pretty sure they were doing it uh, digitally. I'm, man, the behind the scenes on this is fuck. It's terrible. You barely get to see any of the uh, the stuff on set. But they they had a bunch of uh, green screen stuff, and I'm pretty sure like mm. the the hotel and and stuff like that. Those are just models. Well, the exteriors of the hotel things, those shots are models. Yeah. The interior of the hotel was apparently a giant-ass department store that they found in essentially the way it looks in the uh, 1985 scenes with Jude Law. Hmm. Very 80s. Yeah. Very cool. Like, run down, but still kind of, like, reminiscent of its opulence. And then they, so they shot all that stuff first and then fixed those scenes up to be the earlier shots of, of inside the hotel. That's cool. Yeah, and they they built the set within the set. Like, yeah, yeah, the stuff from the '30s is like is is built, and then they built the stuff from like what was it the '80s? I, I forget what it is, but the stuff with F W F W F Murray Abraham, whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah. Anyway, they built <laughs> that, that was set, what they shot first. Like, uh, yeah, they built it in and actually made the set smaller. And then when they went to go do this '30s stuff, they just tore all that stuff down to reveal the opened up lobby. Which, I mean, you know, I didn't think about it watching the movie, but when you go and you start off, the lobby is a lot, actually, like, it's physically smaller. Mm. Which, again, that kind of thing, like, lends itself to this flashback storytelling kind of, like, when you imagine it, it's bigger than it was actually. Like, you're si- you're literally sitting in the same space, but then imagining how it's being described and you picture it bigger and more opulent and more grand. Yeah, you're blowing my mind because I'm I'm seeing that now in my head, like you know him like running in, and, yeah, like, and yeah. then running up the stairs and all that. It is small. Yeah. 
Open that shit, bro. <laughs> you motherfuckers could talk, you know, and that way, you know, it would not be like a thing or something. God. Let's have a moment for my alcoholism. <laughs> it's a nice little insert. <laughs> Zoom, yeah. Zooming in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's got to be symmetrical, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 there, there it is. There it is. God, I should have taken more notes on this because I got nothing to fucking talk about. Man. It's a hard movie to talk about, man. Why is it that like the movies that are just pleasant to sit and watch like don't have much conversation afterwards? You're like, that was a nice experience. <laughs> that was a heartwarming <laughs> journey. The <laughs> end. Big gulps, huh? Well, see you later. God, I love Mexico now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Girls random Mexico. Uh, that Just odd. Your birthmark on your face is Mexico. Yeah, no, okay, so I was watching, when I first rewatched it, because I hadn't seen it in several years, I was like, the birthmark looks exactly like Mexico, that's really interesting, and then he has the mention later, where he's, the birthmark, shaped like Mexico, and I was like, oh, okay, so I wasn't just, like, uh, cool, alright, got it, got it, okay. It's just a quirky thing. It's fun. Yeah. I did see some uh, reviewer um, at the time that was complaining, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, because she's with the... This immigrant guy, she has to be disfigured, so you have to put a birthmark on her face. She oh can't be a God. regular girl. I was just like, what? I don't know. I think oh, you're reading something oh, no, no regular girls would want to go out with immigrants? Is, is that the implication of this? It like, did make me think, though. Why is the birthmark is on her face? Why, like, is why that not that? put it somewhere else? Yeah, why, why is that there? Like, wh- what is that like, there? Why have a birthmark at all? Yeah, really? right, yeah. Because it's quirky. Is it? I guess it sure, is. Man. What do you think it says about her character, Brian? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. She doesn't let her hold her back, man. She doesn't even acknowledge it. She just does her thing. She's overcome things in life. I can't. Yeah, I it, does, it does seem like that there's something there that I was waiting for them to sort of reference that or for there to be some point to it to have. Mm. If you're going to, if the actress had a birthmark and that was it, then fine, whatever. Um, but to to put a birthmark in the shape of a country on someone's <laughs> face and then just not acknowledge it, I thought that was interesting. But okay, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. So the, the whole, the whole movie, right, is based on the, 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 the book is based on the fall of Europe, right? Is Mexico somehow involved in this? I mean, do I not know my history? Is, is it obvious? I don't think that's part of it. The, the movie itself is, is based on the, the writings of some actual person who was a real author, and I can't remember his name now. But like, It was at the end of the movie, yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, no, no. The, yeah, I forget the name of the book, but it is about the fall of Europe bef- uh, before the war. Yes. I do really love the score. The score is really fun. It's like, yeah, yeah. And there, there's some interesting, like, European instrumentation, like, with, I don't know, it's it's kind of like a harpsichord, but it's more like a stringed instrument being played, like, guitar-ish style thing that is recurring that I like a lot, yeah. It reminded me a lot of uh, the Amelie soundtrack. Mmm. Just less yeah. upbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not quite as positive, not pleasant as, as much. Yeah, catchy. Yeah, there the you go. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm super glad that won an Oscar because that, that that score is really really good. Oh, and I did think it was crazy too. We were talking uh, last week about Gone Girl, that was released in 2014. David Fincher's highest grossing movie. This is mm. Wes Anderson's highest grossing movie, also 2014. What the fuck? 
Almost like multiple movies can be good at the same time. That's crazy. I think people were just bored in 2014 and they all went to the theaters. Oh, you're right. I did. That's true. I actually went to the theaters a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This was the summer of Godzilla, so I, I can't tell you how many times I saw that in theaters. That's pretty much all I saw all summer. I saw Which it, Godzilla? Like Matthew Broderick Godzilla? What? No. No, th- that was 1999, Jared. <laughs> well, excuse me. I don't know about dates. On the one with, uh, you know, Breaking Bad guy. What's his name? Brian. Uh, oh, yeah. Cranston. Brian Cranston was in that one. Yeah, that was a good one. And Kick-Ass. Yeah, that was a good year. Yeah. How did this one do in the box office? It did. $60 million? Fucking phenomenal. Well, yeah, in the United States, but it had a budget of 25, made 174 fucking million dollars. Which put that in perspective. Off a budget of 25? Yeah, right? So Damn. that's the worldwide gross, but that is almost, that's more than double any other fucking goddamn Wes Anderson movie. More wow, than double. Really? Yeah, most of his movies peak out with like a worldwide total of like 60 million total. Hmm. Which is a lot of money in an objective standpoint, but as a movie, <laughs> it makes sense that people are like, oh, yeah, he's he's the indie darling. But there was a lot of hype around this movie. I remember oh, yeah. so yeah. many like different articles and like behind the scenes and so much stuff about like I... I think maybe that was why, like, like I was so excited for this film because of how hyped it was that when I actually saw it, I was like, oh yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so the marketing overhyped it for you? Yes, definitely. It's like, that's how Wes Anderson movies are. No, I actually really Overhyped? Like Fuck you, Darren. God damn it. <laughs> just like, everybody needs a contrarian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He has kind of sucked after this. He does. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'll give you that. Yeah. That's why I feel like this is peak Anderson, where he just he finally found the way to make the the formula coalesce, and after this, it just that's when he started smelling his own farts. Like, did anybody even see Asteroid City? No, oh, I'm not seeing it yet. Asteroid I've heard I've, I've heard better <laughs> things, but better things compared to the last one that was just so fucking boring. What was that French? French the French connection, dispatch connection. Jesus Christ! I'm sorry, French connection. He wishes. I apologize from the bottom of my heart. The French dispatch wishes it was you. You like all those cool dolly shots, bro? Of the French connection. Jesus Christ! The, yes, the yes. Dispatch. The dispatch. freaking is rolling over his fresh grave right now. He's like, "You son of a bitch!" Oh my God! Clearly, I'd rather watch that. The French dispatch was boring as shit, and none of it felt like it worked together, and it was just a bunch of random, weird, like, vignettes shoved together. Yeah, I had a really hard time getting into that. Yeah. Same with Isle of Dogs. Didn't didn't care much for that one either. Uh, Kind of also same, yeah. Because Isle of Dogs felt like it wanted to be the Fantastic Mr. Fox, and just didn't have the same level of, like, we need to care about you characters. Yeah, just no fucking fun. God. But this one is fun. This one, this is why I say this feels like peak Anderson because it is. It there's enough warmth and compassion and and just pleasantness. Just lo- it, the whole movie is just lovely. He does not miss the mark. Making it sound like it's time for ratings. <laughs> is it time for said ratings? Have we talked out the Grand Budapest Hotel? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Jared. You're going to die on the hill, aren't you? 
Man, the only other note I have in my uh, my notes is like, what's up with all the Bond motherfuckers in this movie? The Bond? What do you mean? Well, uh, you got Ray Bond people. Yeah, you got Ray Fines, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. he was the new him. He becomes him. We have Leah Sadu, Bond girl from the last <sighs> two Bond films. Uh, uh, fucking forget the actor's name, but the the guy that's uh, Madame D's uh, butler. He's the he's the villain uh, in Quantum of Solace. Wait, the butler, Serge? Yes, yeah, Serge. Yeah, that's his name. The guy that gets choked out in the uh, confessional booth. <laughs> oh fuck, that's right. I forgot yeah. he was in that movie. Holy shit! I was like, why does he seem so familiar? Because he's bald in this one, right? That's why he looks different, right? No, he's no, just got he's slicked bald. back hair. Yeah, is he slicked back? Okay. <laughs> he's got those weird. He's got those weird dark eyes. He's got that stupid expression. His death expression is fucking so dumb. <laughs> he has such like normal, like quasi curly hair, and in this movie, it's like completely slicked back. Like he looks almost like I don't know. Mexican is the word that my brain wants to say, but that feels inaccurate or overgeneralized. Also, with a. Amazing mustache as well. Correct. Yeah, that's fair. It's almost like all the male actors were directed bef- way before this movie started filming to grow out their facial hair, and, and they all came in and had it stylized to their characters. I wonder how many had to wear like fake mustaches. <laughs> they couldn't do it. Okay, grow one. This is all I got, guys. Oh, okay, we'll take care of it. All the crappy behind the scenes, all the guys, especially Bill Murray, was very happy that he was like, yeah, look, it's a real mustache. <laughs> <laughs> that was the big takeaway I got from the behind the scenes shit on the goddamn Blu-ray. Oof. Get some better extra features, Wes Anderson. <laughs> he doesn't want to show you how the sausage is made, man. I mean, I guess. I don't know. It seems like you would want to know, like, uh, and you would want to share this information because, like, all of the tricks, it's like... The movie is never trying to capture realism, you know? It's always, like, the yeah. bigger-than-life old... It's very aware that it, it's a film. Yeah. yeah. All these big studio techniques. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you'd think you'd want to go into that stuff, but... I, I would just like to say it's very important to know who has their own facial hair and who does not, and, and so that <laughs> needs to stay in. <laughs> Yes, but does, does that need to be the focus? <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed to that. <laughs> the, the first extra feature is Bill Murray just walking around the town where they shot this, <laughs> eating sausages. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> it's Chewing like, his mustache. Yep, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> and he goes by like the craft table, and he's like, mm, yeah. There's no, there's no uh, sausage here. Let's go get some sausage out on the town. Ooh, <laughs> and the wardrobe sausage. person pops up and goes, Mr. Murray, please do not get mustard in your mustache. <laughs> All right. I feel like we're definitely at ratings now. Who's going first? I'll go first. Fuck it. This movie is goddamn lovely. I've watched it twice in the last week, and it's just, it's, it's just, it's such a pleasant experience. Like I feel warm and fuzzy, and it's such an enjoyable movie. Um, like it, it's, it's kitschy and it's gimmicky in the sense that like everything is storybook animated. Like let's make it all perfectly parallel. And I fucking buy it on this film, man. Like. Uh, so quickly am I in like the yeah how how perfect are you going to make all of these picturesque blocking moments and the camera moves and and all of the things are going to be so pretty and so like you could pause on every frame and just kind of study it like it's it's a, a painting I really really enjoy the aesthetics of this film 
as much or more than any other of Wes Anderson's movies. And his movies have a lot of richness and depth and detail in, in, in the small things. Um, but this is the one that I feel like works the best. All of the ways that Wes Anderson wants to be kind of quirky and weird and fun. Uh, I think all of it came together in this movie. And I don't know if it's just the way the script worked out or the story or how he decides to use these three main different timelines. That's actually really five different flashbacks. And man, it, I, I don't know how else to say it except it fucking works. I love all of the, all of the character actors in this movie. I love all of the ways that there's just like these people that are, have done some big things and they just, they're here for like a, I'm going to answer the phone and then tell someone to like, take over <laughs> Too much that's like a that's like a four minute montage just like five different hotels take over <laughs> i gotta go to this thing i fucking love it man um the the parts where this movie kind of starts to to bog down under its own weight i think is while ray finds is in the the prison system some of that starts to get a little bit old after we've seen a little bit of it um but maybe that's i feel just Maybe I just feel that because I've watched it twice in the last week, and and that's the part where it's it's a little bit less. Um, it doesn't. It just it starts to slow down too much there, and I, I don't know if they how how they could have fixed that. But overall, I think this movie is just uh, a, a. I can't find another word that summarizes it better for me than just it's just lovely. Uh, I'm gonna give it a nine. I think it's super solid. I think as far as Wes Anderson goes this is about as good as you can get and he has not done himself better after this movie for sure I think everything is really solid it's a solid nine you can't dock it for anything and you're gonna give it a nine no I'm what are you gonna talk me into a 9.5 I'm trying to talk you a 10 man because we've already established that this is best Anderson peak Anderson fuck god damn it everyone else is gonna call it a nine I'm gonna call it a 10 there you go. Fine. No, That's what you no, got for no, me, Jared. No, no. There it is. Thank you. There it Thank is. you. No, there I'm just trying it's to bring 10. you up so no, I you're can right. come in. You're right. You're right. Because I, I, t- I talked about it earlier today, and I said I think it's the best Wes Anderson movie that he's ever done. Yeah. Um, and if you can't call out a 10, then what's the point of liking Wes Anderson? There you go. God damn you're, it. All right, it's you're 10. welcome, Mr. Anderson. You can send your check to... Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? We're my... getting checks? What the fuck? Uh, oh, uh, never, ne- never mind. Um... <laughs> you guys are getting paid. Um, <laughs> no, nah, man, this this film, um, I struggled with it a little bit because it was a little slow and I was working a lot. Uh, but once I was actually able to like kind of like get into it, man, it's it's really enjoyable. I, I really love the the quality <laughs> of filmmaking, like actually like having a vision and having a specific style and really making that happen. I mean, Wes Anderson is very good at that. Uh, like his movies or not, you can't say that the dude doesn't get what he wants. <laughs> mm. And I, I would love to know well, how many described. takes, yeah. how many takes he's doing of all this. Uh, Cause a lot of his coverage doesn't really match. And I've also, this is one of those movies where it proves that your lighting doesn't have to match. And people so don't true. notice. So you true. know, uh, just make, make 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 the frame look right. Doesn't matter where your shit's motivated from; it, it just fucking works. I mean, there, there's a lot of times where it's like front lit, and when we cut into our coverage, and now it's like you know, it, it's lit properly. Yeah, I can know? think of so, three different scenes that do that. Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting. Um, yeah, this is definitely the. I'm gonna say it's, it's definitely a ten, man. I mean, like it, it's 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 filmmaking at the highest art. It's fucking the the writing is really fucking funny. So many amazing actors. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's not too fucking long. Mm. Uh, it's it's just a really great little film. All right, Kristen, you go next. You go last. I'll go next. 
I think this movie, yes, is very lovely. I think there are so many funny moments in this. It looks beautiful. The acting is fantastic. Um, I don't think this is peak Anderson. I actually I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I feel like the movie starts to drag towards the end. And as it does, um, suddenly you become really tired of all this symmetry and you're like, can you do something else? Like, is there anything else that we can do here? Uh, and the answer is no, there's not. Um, and I always kind of, there are quite a few scenes that I I always just zone out. I still don't know what happens in them. I've tried to rewind it and I still I still zone out. Um, I mean, I yeah yeah. Eventually we get to the end. Um, and and so for that for that I I, I feel like I feel like he he's just. I don't want to say he's trying too hard, but he's like, no, this is what I, it's like, he's like, he's, he thinks this is what he wants to do. And so no one can be like, yo, like, let's, let's like ease up on this just a touch. Um, he, I think this is the point in his career where he stops listening to other people mm. who maybe have some ideas. Um, I don't know, but, and I don't, and I say all of this with love because I do love Wes Anderson. I do love this movie. Um, there's so much good here. I, I love so much of it. Anyway, I'm going to give it an 8.5 because of the boring parts. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. you, you got to give the movie a 10. Uh, like, yeah, it's got its flaws here and there, <laughs> but I don't think the flaws really fucking... They don't stand out. They don't really take away anything from it. And I don't know. Guys, this movie's like 90 minutes. I thought it fucking, for all the story you tell, told, I thought it just flew by. You know, sometimes you don't even have enough time to, like, study some of the shots or look at all the, the stuff. Everything's just, I feel like it just goes by so quick. And then we slow down and we live in some scenes. Um I don't know. I, I, I get. I agree that this is like peak Anderson. This is where he, you can see where he's taken all of his ideas and really coalesced them into this. Yeah. <laughs> his yep. Uh, yep. his auteur uh, stamp. You know. Um, finally, he finally achieved. But I don't think this. This is definitely not my favorite of his movies. I I still love Rushmore. Um, I think that's. I think that's my favorite. A Wes Anderson movie, or at least I think that's the funniest Wes Anderson movie. I, that movie cracks mm. me up. That's one of my favorite Bill Murray performances outside of uh, What About Bob? And <laughs> I love that one. I know that's a, and some people hate that movie. They're like, how do you fucking like I that? fucking hate that movie. <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> fucking. <sighs> okay, look, we want to talk about great comedy fucking directors. Let's talk about fucking Frank Oz. What a badass that yeah. motherfucker yeah, was. That's right? fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just nothing to take away from it. Ralph Fiennes is Ray Fiennes, whatever the fuck. It's, you spell it like Ralph. Come on, bro. Um, yeah, it, he's so good. You know, he just makes everything in the movie work. All the characters, supporting actors, with the exception of maybe Adrian Brody in the beginning, are perfect. Um, music is wonderful. Production design is wonderful. Man, makeup is great. Maybe, you know what? The makeup's great on Tilda Swinton. I don't know about the rest of it. <laughs> You know, I, I think maybe it's like purposely done like bad though to like to, to be funny. I don't know. Maybe that's just Harvey Keitel. I don't know. Yeah, you know, still, <laughs> it's a ten. It works really well. Very enjoyable. 
Typically stylish but deceptively thoughtful, the Grand Budapest Hotel finds Wes Anderson once again using ornate visual environments to explore deeply emotional ideas. Rotten Tomatoes certifies the Grand Budapest Hotel fresh with a 92% tomato meter and an 86% audience score. Jared, can you say all of that again? Because I stopped li- listening every time you said Budapest. <laughs> Typically stylish but deceptively thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. Buddha it's a good Pesh. movie, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, you've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Oh, you know what? What? We got we to say, like, fucking next month, Halloween. Exorcist Films. Oh, my God. Let's all get excited. <laughs> oh, man. It's so crazy that I'm not going to be available for most of those. Oh, <laughs> Wait a minute. Aren't you like the virgin that is never seen? Yes. Said yes. Exorcist and movie? I want to continue this trend of being Let able me. to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what your cunting daughter did? <laughs> oh, my God. Jared, I don't know if you're convincing him. Oh, man. Yeah. You're just telling me all the reasons why I've never wanted to watch them. You're going to die it's up fine. there. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Well, before we get there, audience, we're going to start with the prestige next week to finish out. Remember September. Oh, I don't think we're going to have time, man. What? What? Yeah. God no, let's, damn it. Let's fit it in. Let's fit it in. What are you talking about? How are we're going we to sp- we're gonna have to spill. We're going to have to spill over into... The next month, anyways, to finish out all the Exorcist films because there's so many of them. What? No, we're not. What are you talking about? We got five uh, five weeks in October. There's only five Exorcist films. It's one a week, baby. What are we talking about? This is math, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The Dominion and 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 all that. Well, look, I right? look Exorcist Four. I'm pretty sure we can wrap that up. Both of those versions of that movie into one podcast. I'm not going to have a lot to say other than this is shit, this is shit, this is shit. So, you well, know. why don't we skip it if it's shit? Well, it's worth watching. No, you, <laughs> is it? We yeah. are completionists during Halloween. Worth watching. Have you not been around here? Christian, I have. I'm we, questioning the we, We've done 15 well, movies I, I in, also in four weeks before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just thank God we're, we're past the, the fucking Chucky films. And, and the Chucky films were, they had, those were those fun. Those were amazing. But, but, and we, when we did all the Halloween movies, that was, that was hard. Um, that was hard. It's a lot. It's just a lot. It's just a lot to put those in, in, in you know. So, so I, guess, I guess we can do a, one week with two this next time around. Right? Come on. You guys need to buckle up. All I'm hearing <laughs> is that we're not watching The Prestige next week, and I'm sad about that. I'm just going to say. We'll get to I'm it. Still, I'm still voting for The Prestige next week, and then we can do all the exorcism. We'll do it on Tuesday. Guys, The Prestige is not Halloween-y. I'm not talking about a bunch of music. It kind of <laughs> is. I mean, we could... Magicians are not ghosts. Halloween-y. No. Yeah, they and ghosts, yeah. It's like there's about? magic, and then you can't be seen. No, this is like a birthday party. Like, Clones aren't know. ghosts. <laughs> Because if we're going to do The Prestige, we should do fucking Moon as well. Moon? And, uh, what the fuck? How did you jump from The Prestige how, to Moon? I am I am also intrigued by this coming. <laughs> well, how does this fit together in your brain, Jared Callen? Isn't it also about, like, fucking space? He's just associating the fact that there's multiple clones and clones, people not yeah. realizing that they are other people. Yeah, but that's totally different than the prestige. So I'm gonna go with Brian on this one. I don't know how you were jumping. <laughs> I don't know. I got there with you. We're gonna but follow still. up with the island and 
Uh, I can't think of another clone movie. Uh, off the top of my head. Clone high. Clone high. Clone. What is that a thing? <laughs> I feel like I feel like Greg's just made that up. He's like, uh, no, 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 no. I got, I got. We're gonna do mul- mul- multiplicity. Multi oh. fuck it, fuck you, fuck you. God damn it. <laughs> give, give me some pizza. Hey Steve. Hey Steve. Hey Steve. <laughs> She's like, she's like, I just really need to know what you're feeling. Give me some pizza. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. So with that, you've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email to moviecrewpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter at moviecrewpod. Yeah, you, you got stumbled over the Twitter thing. It's not called Twitter anymore. I know, X. whatever, man. You know what? It's, it's fucking stupid. Brand X. Brand X. <laughs> now I'm never going to be able to get that out of my head, Joe. Fuck you, bro. <laughs> Every time I log into to, to X, I'm going to be like, it gives you a grin again and again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jared, where can the lovely audience find you? You can find me on Instagram at CheckTheGate. Griggs, where can they find you? I'm on Instagram at Griggsy Media. That's G R I G G S Y Media. Hey, Christian, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Kristen Magdalene. That's Kristen with a K and an I. And you guys can find me on X at Elkins Edits. <laughs> and we're going to get to it, Jerry. Excellent. I'm never going to be able to think about anything else in my life. Goddamn. <laughs> Every time I bring up my phone and look at that app, I'm going to laugh. Uh, all right. We're going to close out the show with track number eight titled uh, – Daylight Express to Lutz. This is from composer Alexandre Desplat. Enjoy. <laughs> Desplat. Desplat. He's so good. Fuck off. Desplat.